0: This is SoCal
1: Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Hi again, everybody. It is Passion Week 2023. Thank you for joining me today on Southern California Live. For each of the days leading up to Easter, we've invited a different pastor to come and share on Six Steps to Easter We want to encourage you to prepare your heart for Easter, to get right before the Lord, and also to be ready to invite your friends to Easter services at your church, and if you don't have a church, to invite yourself to go back to church. That's something that I want you to do, that God wants you to do. Forget about what I want you to do. God wants you to do that, and we want to help you do that, and... And if you have a friend or a family member who you're thinking, gosh, you know, I'd really like to get them a Bible, we also want to send them a Bible. If you go to kkla.com, click on the Six Steps to Easter link, you'll be able to send them a Bibles. Give us their their name or your name, and we'll get you a, a free Bible for your steps. I'll tell you more about that at the end. With me today for step four in the Six Steps to Easter is Pastor Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve is the senior pastor of Core Church Los Angeles, and he is the host of Core Truth Radio, which can be heard weekdays uh, at 5 30 p.m. on KKLA and on that station on your favorite radio app. Today is step four in our six steps, and the theme is transform your thinking. And the theme verses of Romans 12:2. do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And also Psalm 1, 2, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Pastor Steve Wilburn, welcome to Southern California Live.
0: Scott, it's so good to be on here with you. I see you as I'm cruising through KKLA Studios often, so it's nice to be on the radio with you here today.
1: (laughs) It's much better in the room. I wave at you through the window (laughs) sometimes. That's right. We're always uh, waving at at
0: a distance. Yeah, at a distance.
1: Well, welcome. Really glad to have you in the studio with me today. Hey, you know, this is an important topic really for any time. Transform your your thinking.
0: That's right.
1: You know, and thinking is under attack today, I think, in so many different ways. it has been at different times in history, which is why the Apostle Paul would write this, That's right? Right. Is that it was under attack then. Let's talk about this. As we approach Easter, and uh, and this is true for any season, you know, Easter, yes. we... We talk a lot about inviting friends and people come, but this yes. can be used at any time. Let's talk about this. What are your thoughts about this topic?
0: Well, I love this verse, uh, Romans twelve two, and I also like the verse that comes before that. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So, you know, Paul said in verse 1, he goes, look, I urge you. It's like he's saying, I come to you on bended knee. Really, you know, the Apostle Paul is challenging us to walk out our faith. But what does that really mean? You know, like, how does that, you know, make a difference in our lives? So it's, it's, We have to totally understand that if we as Christians fully grasp doctrinal issues, that's great. But if we don't choose to live those doctrinal issues out— then what do we have? I mean, we're just, we joined we the club. We just have a
1: degree an education. We have a degree, and yeah, that's it. Right.
0: You know, so it's like I was uh, having lunch with uh, Pastor Greg Laurie of Harvest Christian Fellowship, and, you know, the Bible tells us to let our light so shine before men in such a way that they can tangibly see our good work. We have Easter coming up. It's This is huge on the biblical calendar. Now, we have an increase Uh, amount of attendance on Christmas and Easter, but Easter surpasses Christmas, you know, mm. Christmas is, you know, clogged with a lot of, you know, different things and everything. Easter is kind of a standalone thing. Yeah, Our attendance spikes in. This Easter is a great celebration for us because last Easter we started back our third service on Easter and we filled up that third service. You started
1: service. back uh, because of the COVID? Did because you lose of the that COVID service? thing,
0: yeah. yes. Yeah. And we never closed down during COVID, by the way. We, yeah. we stayed open the whole time, but we did drop a service. We went down to two services instead of three. And then last Easter we started our third service Service back, which is you know we had the biggest third service we've had all year just this last Sunday. So that's praise Jesus, oh, yeah. yeah. But there I was having lunch with Pastor Greg, and the waitress walks up and I said, "Excuse me, ma'am, when's the last time someone told you there's a God in heaven that loves you?" And she looked at me and she says. I can't believe you're telling me that I just moved here from out of state and I'm looking for a mm. church. I'm like, really? And I, and she of course doesn't know who Greg Laurie is. I said, I know this killer church. It's only a couple miles from here. We were down in Orange County. It's called Harvest Christian Fellowship. And she goes, Oh, I'll have to check that out. I go, just go to harvest.org. Then she walked away and I looked at pastor Greg. Now hearing him, the preacher talking to the preacher, okay. right. I'm preaching to the preacher. I said, Hey, Pastor Greg. In fact, I call him boss, boss. I said, what do you think the chance? What's the percentage? Give me a number of the percentage of a chance of that girl coming to your church. He goes, probably like 75%. I said, that's right. And if I wouldn't have said anything, what would be the chance? He goes, Zero. Huh. Exactly. I don't know if people know this or not, but it's there's a statistic, and the statistic is this. If you have a family or a friend, that could be a coworker, you know, someone that just is, you, you have relationship with, right. there's a 50% chance if you invite them to go to church that they might come.
1: That's right. And, you know, that chance is better at Easter also. That's right. Right? Because they're kind of, it's a oh, holiday. They might have a tradition. Everyone knows. Yeah. I
0: mean, we all talk about the C&E Christians, right? Christmas right. and Easter. You know, you got to hit the big holidays, you know. And, and he goes on to say, this is our reasonable service of worship. It's reasonable. It just means that it's, it's a reasonable thing to do. If we know the path of eternal life, if we know the path that is out there for humanity to have some kind of normalcy or peace or of, of any kind in your life, we know that path. And I mean, think about it, Scott. I mean, we were just talking about this before we yeah. started the program. What? part of our culture and society right now is not broken.
1: Oh gosh, every part is every broken. Everything part is broken. is broken.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've got radical inflation. We have the biggest culture divide maybe ever, you know? I mean, all this stuff to make culture better, we've, we've messed it up even more. Everything, banks are failing. Everything is messed up right now. Right now, people are walking around, and they are not walking with great confidence. They're not walking with this unbelievable peace. Jesus said, I came to give you peace, not as the world gives, but my peace is what I give. And God's peace is a quietness of rest. I so remember sitting at a kitchen counter. 45 years ago in Upland, California, and someone started telling me about Jesus. And the first thought through my mind was like, oh, what a waste of life this is going to be, you know. (laughs) And they were talking, and it sounded like Charlie Brown's teacher to me. It's like, I mean, I wasn't even listening to them. And then all of a sudden they quoted Luke 12.3. I didn't know it was Luke 12.3, but I've since looked it up. But they said, Jesus said, everything that you've done in the dark will be heard in the light. And everything that you whispered in the inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. It's appointed for every man to die. And after this comes judgment. And I mean, I heard that. And I'm thinking to myself, I am going to be like the pig on a rotisserie getting cooked. I'm like done because I knew I was back. If someone knew everything I've ever done. Oh, my goodness. It did not send warm fuzzies down my spine. It sent (laughs) shockwaves of lightning bolts like I'm going to get roasted. But that's. The good news of the message. See, you have to understand the bad news first. You mm. know, see, the bad news, it's appointed for every man to die. One out of every, every one person. That's right. That's yeah. an amazing statistic, is yeah, it not? Yeah, it is. A, and it's a true statistic. <laughs> and it's true. Right. And so that's the bad news. I, you know, I was thinking about verses that you could, you know, make this whole thing work together. So you have Hebrews nine twenty seven, it's appointed for every man, every woman to die once and after this comes judgment. There's no joy in that. Then you have John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So what one verse meshes both those together? And I found it. It's in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. It says, The wages of sin is death, but. The free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. We have the greatest message of all humanity. And I don't know about all the other churches, and I'm sure that most of them are going to take advantage of this. But we at Core Church, we're going through the book of Matthew right now, but we're taking a break on Easter. And it's going to be the resurrection, baby. I mean, Jesus died for the sin of the world because why? We are all sinners. And that's going to come out. The bad news first, but the good news is he rose again from the dead. Amen. He's the resurrection in the life, the firstborn of the
1: resurrection. That's right. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. My guest is Pastor Steve Wilburn, the senior pastor of Core Church Los Angeles. And, you know, as you talk about this, it is... We're living in this time where I think people are looking at uh, religion is just an option. But as you just explained, the good news—that's right—it's great news. It's not good advice. That's right, right? It's good news, That's and right. you respond to news. That's you can't right. do anything about it. It's not—you can take it or leave it. This is the most important message that there is, and each one of us who knows Jesus, we're carrying this message with us to the people that God has placed in our life. Let's talk about transforming your mind a little yes. bit, because we're living in this time where. You know, we're being told to think differently than human beings have ever thought in a lot of areas, particularly gender and some other things. Yes. But this really isn't new. I think it's new, but it's not new. This has been the work of the devil since Adam and Eve in the garden and the serpent. Oh, absolutely. Right. Uh, is it really that? Is it really that? How do we as believers step into this season and transform our minds and not conform to the pattern of this world, which is a different mindset? Well, let's go back to the verse that you quoted
0: at the beginning of the top of the show here. Uh, you know, he, uh, the Apostle Paul said in Romans uh, uh, chapter 12, verse 2, he says, do not be conformed to this world which is what the world is trying to get us to do, but be transformed. Mm. This word transformed is an interesting word. It comes from the Greek word metamorpho. It's where we get our English word metamorphosis. So God is saying, look, you were one thing before, but now that you've come to know me, you're born again, you're renewed in your spirit, you're born from above, born of God. I want to make you something completely different than what you could ever be. It, that word transformation, again, metamorpho, that metamorphosis. That is like when you see a caterpillar, this little slimy worm thing with a hundred legs on it, you know, go into a cocoon and it comes out a beautiful butterfly and it's flying. I mean, it's like the caterpillar and the butterfly, like these are completely two opposite things. That's the word that God uses. You know, he only uses that word two other times in the entire Hmm. Bible. One is when Jesus was transformed on the Mount of Transfiguration— and he shone as bright as light. And so, you know, so it was that time only. And, and another time when he's talking about us wanting to be more like him. So think about, you know, we are the only Bible that some people are ever going to read. That's right. So we need to have that transformed life. That's why he says, I want you to be a light that shines. And again, Scott, we're not shining our light like, oh, look, at me. I'm a little light bulb. No, it's like Jesus said, I And the light of the world. All Jesus is asking is since he lives inside us, remember what it says in first Corinthians, you know, uh, chapter three, he says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you? So all Jesus is asking is, can you not cover me up? Right. Can you allow people to look into your eyes and no longer see you, but see me inside of you? See, that's the transformation. That's the different person. I tell people all the time at church because as a pastor, you know, people will come up to you and say, and you know this because you are a pastor, pastor, that message minister to my heart. It right. was exactly what I needed to hear. And you're thinking, oh, OK, and people want to compliment you and things like that. And I tell people, I said, look, when you see something good in me, like if something in my life touches you and you are spiritually blessed thank Jesus, because that's That's what Jesus did in me. Now, on the other hand, if you see something stinky, a little, you know, maybe not so patient, that's me. You know, like driving on the streets of L.A. (laughs) That's not,
1: you know, that's me. I heard somebody say once that the last part of a Christian to be sanctified is his right foot.
0: Exactly. Oh, absolutely. And that's me, you know, especially when you get behind those people in L.A. because there's hardly no left-hand turn lanes, and they stay behind the crosswalk when the light's green. No! Move out to the center (laughs) of the intersection, so not only you and the light turns yellow (laughs) can't hang a left but maybe three other people behind you anyway but that's a whole nother subject right let's
1: think happy thoughts right now (laughs) let's do that you know you're talking about uh, people seeing the light in us and something that i think people may not realize but most people become christians not simply because they showed up to church on easter one sunday Almost everybody for 2,000 years who has become a Christian became a Christian because somebody shared the gospel with them, usually not a pastor. It's their mom or That's their dad, right. brother or sister, a friend, a coworker, or in your case, somebody that you were sitting next to yeah. shared the gospel. You know, And I think that we need to trust God for that. Absolutely. We need to trust. That's part of transforming our mind, right? That's that right. In our, in our minds, we need to trust that God has put people in my life on purpose That's right. for me to share the gospel to, that God has already ordained that to happen.
0: Yeah, and, and the people that do give their life to Christ at church, because we do yeah. altar calls oh, every yeah. week, we see anywhere from 10 to 20 people a week give their life to Christ at CORE Church— how did they get there?
1: That's right. Somebody invested in that. They got there because
0: someone – exactly. They invested in them. They planted a seed. They've That's been right. watering the seed. All I'm doing is just taking in the harvest. Someone else did all the hard work. They did the plowing. They did the planting. They did the watering. And, and I think we forget that. And it's like how could we hold this message back? I, I think we're all – Uh, we should all have a life verse. I'm sure you have a a couple life verses. I have a a few life verses, you know, but one of the life verses for me is found in the Old Testament, book of Malachi, chapter 2, verse 6. And and he's talking about who he desires us to be. And this is what it says. He says, true instruction was in their mouth and unrighteousness was not found on their lips. They walked with me in peace and uprightness. So this is... This is who we should be as men and women of God, okay? But he goes on to say, and the fruit of their life was, and they turned many back. From iniquity. That's right. Wow, what a great verse that is. Yeah. And I also, another life verse for me is Ezekiel 2 7, and it says, But you, and th- who's the you there? It's the believer. It's yeah. the one who's asked Christ in their heart. It's the one that's been transformed. The metamorphosis has happened in their life. We know Jesus now. I used to be this. Now I'm something else. But he says, But you shall speak my words to them. Who's them? It's all the heathen dogs that are around us, you know? It's all the people that were, hmm, let me think, Joseph just like us before we came to know Christ, all heathen dogs. He says, but you shall speak my words to them, whether they listen or not, for they are a rebellious people. So if you're thinking, well, if I say something, no one wants to hear me. That's right. And that's what God said. (laughs) They are rebellious people just like you used to be. But it's like, that's why it's so important for us to live out our faith in that transformed life. It's not just a transformed mind, it's allowing God's Word to have the transformation in us where we start changing. Like, I used to lie, now I tell the truth. I used to be a drunkard, now I don't drink anymore. I used to cuss and use bad language, now I don't. You know, it's, it's a putting off of the old, putting on in the new, as it says in Ephesians, you know. So these are the, the attributes of a Christian. This is what we're supposed to do, and then people will respond. I don't know how much time we have left. Do we have time for a, a story? Yeah, we- Okay. got five minutes. Okay, so here's the story. So, um, you know, because you don't know where people are at in life. You just don't know. Right. So uh, I'm driving a van with some high school kids. We're going to go to the beach to go witnessing, you know, for a harvest crusade. And so the, I had like a 16-year-old girl in the, in the passenger seat of this 15-passenger van. And and she says, um, Pastor Steve, so my hanging on the van. And I'm like, what? And it's like we were getting close to Newport Beach, you know, it, you know, traffic's backed up and everything. And there's a guy on a beach cruise with his hand on the side of the van you're know, kind of coasting with us okay and i said hey roll the window down and tell that guy nobody rides for free get up here you know, so <laughs> so she rolled the window down we're going like 5 miles an hour 10 sure. miles an hour you know so he rolls up he puts his arm inside of the van okay so he's hooked on the van he's still cruising with us and i said hey man how's it going and he goes he goes eh, not so good and i go well hey man there's a god in heaven that loves you and he goes what I go, there's a God. In heaven, it's like he came to this earth, he died on the cross, and he rose again from the dead. And he loves you. And he goes, I can't believe you're telling me that. I go, well, why? And he goes, well, today's my birthday. Hmm. My parents are divorced. They, they they hate each other. I don't think they care about me. And they don't even care it's my birthday today. And I was going to commit suicide today. And I'm like, what? And I so we're in this you know long traffic line going down to Newport Beach. It's taking forever. So I just start sharing the gospel with them. This is going on for like 20 minutes. We pull up to a stoplight The light just turned red And I said, right here, right now You could give your life to Jesus Christ And he would come inside of you right now And he goes, I'd like to do that He bows his head and praise, and so he receives Christ on his bicycle, arm hooked in the van, <laughs> the light turns green, we take off again, he's still with me, and so we're still cruising. So then one of the kids in the back had a brand new Bible he just bought, he goes, hey, here, can I give him my Bible? I said, sure. So we hand him a Bible, he goes, man, I can't believe what this, is. I can't believe that that you shared this with me, thank you, you just made my birthday, you made my life, and then he rode off with a brand new Bible. I'm like, I don't feel like,
1: how? crazy is that it's crazy and you know what those those teenagers in the van with you will remember that probably out of the whole day their whole life oh right they're gonna remember that forever yeah like how does that ever happen and it's gonna encourage them i think god uses that because they're gonna feel more comfortable i think to share their faith later exactly they're gonna remember that guy who was hanging on you know i'm gonna do it you know it uh, we just have a couple of minutes left. You're, this is Pastor Steve Wilburn, uh, Senior Pastor of CORE Church, Los Angeles. What are you doing on Easter Sunday at CORE Church?
0: Well, on Easter Sunday, I mean, it's going to be a glorious day at, uh, at CORE Church. We're starting on Good Friday. We're going to have communion, we're going to do a communion service and everything on Good Friday at 12 yeah. o'clock to 1 o'clock. So, it's you know, just trying to make it like people can get off to have an extended lunch and do a 12 to 1 Good Friday service. And on Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday, we're doing three services. Eight thirty, ten thirty, and twelve thirty. It's going to be a message that's geared around what just happened on Good Friday, and then you know, coming up to the resurrection. You know, Jesus said, "I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though they die, yet they shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die." And then he said, "Do you believe this, Scott?" I believe this. That's right. And so we're going to talk about the glorious resurrection of Christ. And if you're anywhere within 45 minutes of CORE Church Los Angeles, get in your car, grab someone, just go pick them up. Tell them you'll take them to in and out afterwards. Whatever it takes, get them to church. They're going to hear a clear, concise message of the gospel and why it's so important for them to have it The in comparing the, the distinction between what's happening in the world and what God has for them and that we can have a peace that surpasses all understanding in Christ.
1: And what's the website for Core Church Los Angeles so people can find you?
0: That's right. We're at corechurchla.org. That's Core Church la.org.
1: All right. And you can get the Core Church LA from just about anywhere. With, I'd say 45 minutes, pretty good deal if you're looking for That's a place. That's right. We're
0: right off the 10 Freeway yeah. in La Cienega on at the west side of LA.
1: That's right. And as you can tell, it's not going to be some kind of subdued, quiet service. No. It's going to be. It's <laughs> the worship's
0: going to be off the hook <laughs> and the
1: message, you will not go to sleep during this message. And friends, it's a great place. I've been there. It's a great church to go to I, and I want you to check it out. All right. Thank you, Pastor Steve, for being with me today on Southern California Live. And, uh, you know, if you are watching and you're saying, you know what, I've got a friend and they need a Bible to give, just like the story that Pastor Steve just told, we'll give you a free Bible if you need one. Go to kkla.com, click on the link right on the front page there for Easter week and give us your information. We'll get you a free Bible so you can give that to a friend or maybe just a stranger hanging onto your car that you feel like God is is calling you to share with. And invite that person to go to church with you, to court church or whatever church is a Bible-believing church that's gonna preach the resurrected Christ on Easter Sunday. Pastor Steve, once again, Thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much, Scott. God bless you. God bless you. Southern California Live will be back in just a moment. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live, Scott Furrow with you. Our guest was Steve, Pastor Steve Wilburn from Court Church LA a minute ago, and uh, that's Step 4, Transform Your Thinking, Step 4 on the Six Steps to Easter. You can learn more and catch up on those if you've missed them. Just go to kkla.com, and when you get there, click on the banner that says Six Steps to Easter. It'll take you to actually a video of all these interviews if you want to see what uh, Steve and I look like, for example. Uh, There you go. And uh, he's a lot of fun. It was great having him in the studio. He's got a lot of energy. If you notice that, um, I don't know what uh, what he does to keep that up, but it's fantastic. Hey, uh, you know, transform your mind. As it's Holy Week, that's something that you know, I heard somebody preaching recently who said, you know, we spend a lot of time kind of as Christians in one of two camps. One, you know, sometimes we are very much in the love your love the Lord with your heart camp. And we can be very emotional about our love for God. And, uh, you know, we can worship proudly and loudly and with everything we've got. And we can get emotional when we start to think about what salvation means and what God has done for us. And when we read the Scripture, we're very much with our heart, right? And scripturally, that probably means more, something more about your inner being, okay? But when you have heart, mind, soul, and strength, which comes together. They mean some different things, and you know, and one of them is your mind. You know, if you're a heart person, you sometimes will sacrifice the part of your mind, right, And that you, you like emotional worship, and you like to have the emotion of great things that God has done, and the testimonies that come from things that the Lord has done in people's life, and it's wonderful, but you also have to transform your mind. You also have to love the Lord your God with your mind, and that's something that's really important. Now, some people, the opposite, right, is that you're very good with loving the Lord with your mind. You get into apologetics and the study of Scripture and the mechanics of theology and doctrine and how this works, and it's super, super important. But you never sing. There's never a part of you that is, you know, worshiping God, loving the Lord your God with your heart. You know, so there's kind of the opposite. We're called in all of these ways to do this. Today we're talking about transforming your mind, right? Transforming your thinking. And, you know, it is something that the scriptures repeat over and over again Psalm 1-2, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. You're always thinking about this. Uh, and the things to think about. Finally, brothers, Philippians 4, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, it says, think about these things. And then it says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. There's a lot of instruction there. You know, as we get to Easter, there are things that, that we should think about, you know, that are that are intellectual, that a person who you might be inviting to church or wanting to invite to church, that maybe it would really help them if they they hear this argument. Maybe they'll hear it from the sermon, or maybe they are investigating the faith, or maybe you're going to share it with them. You know, something I find really interesting at Easter time to think about, something that has been effective for a lot of people, something that really matters to us. You know, I don't know how much you you realize this, but what is the great enemy that we fear as human beings? You know, during the, the COVID shutdowns and during uh, that whole period of time, and even to a certain extent now, what really are we fearing? You know, we fear death, that, you know, death is something that human beings have always had this fear from. And if you doubt it, you know, think about this, death, you are going to spend more money or your insurance company, or the state, if you don't have insurance or money, is going to spend more money on the last few weeks of your life than your, the rest of your life combined on your health care to prolong your life for a couple of weeks, maybe. And, you know, why? Because death, we want to push it off. Death is something that robs us of everything that we wanted to do. Death robs us of our grandparents. It robs us of our parents in it can rob us of our friends, of our spouse. In tragedy, it robs us of our kids and spouse and close people to us, people younger than us, right? Death is such a huge, huge thing. With And it's something that it is the spiritual angst that every culture has ever had has to do with this thing coming that is death. And what happens to us after death? Most people believe there is something that comes next. Most people in every culture has believed that. And here's the thing. We have some good news as Christians. The good news is the resurrection really happened. And if it did, then our faith is true. Death is defeated. There is victory over this death. There is a path to eternal life that is not impossible to get. It's, in fact, the way has been paid for you. You just have to believe that Jesus is the leader, that he's the one who did it. See, it's really good news that your spiritual angst and your guilt and your missteps and your doubts, all of those things are resolved at the cross. That God took your sin and took mine and everybody, you know, and he put it on the Christ who became our sin for us, the scripture says, and he suffered and he died for us. And he rose again, showing us that death is defeated, that what he did for us worked. And he provides a call for us to follow him so that everybody who does one day will come right up out of the grave, just like him into everlasting life. I mean, that is a great message. That is a a super great message, and you get it for free. That's great news, right, is that you don't have to earn it, or you don't have to achieve that somehow spiritually. Jesus achieved it. You just have to accept the gift. You know, here's the thing about the resurrection that matters, and as Christians, I think we have to come back to this all the time. If you've got somebody in your life who's arguing with you about the faith or won't talk about it, the first question I think you should ask yourself is, are we having a discussion about the resurrection? There are other things that are important, but if you're not talking about whether or not the resurrection happened, you're, kind of, you're probably on the wrong page, because the rest of it doesn't matter if the resurrection didn't happen. It all matters if the resurrection did happen. See, if the resurrection didn't happen, then Jesus is no different than any other religious or philosophical leader. He just isn't. You know, religion gives you good advice otherwise, not good news, but good advice. You know, prayer and meditation, they're, they're shown to have a personal benefit, to doing that, right? All faiths seem to believe that there are certain things that are inherently wrong. You know, there's a morality to faith, murder, stealing, adultery, you know, all faiths think those things are wrong. Most faiths would indicate that we should be good to other people, that we should take care of the environment, that we should do good things, that we should be good. And most people actually pretty much agree on what is good. You know, not on every piece, but most of it. You can be an atheist and have a pretty good idea of what is good and bad, right? helping the poor good taking advantage of the poor bad pretty you it's pretty obvious that there is good and bad in that way what religion does is it suggests that there's an accountability for our behavior right all cultures have believed this that we owe something spiritually and that we debt that we have a debt that needs to get paid somehow to god or to the universe before we die and i suppose a secular humanist might say that debt is owed to humanity right there's there's something that we feel like matters And we have to do it before we die. Death is the enemy. Don't let anybody tell you it's a part of life. I mean, biologically, that's true, right? But death is something that is on the forefront of an awful lot that we do. I don't know if you think about this, but you can go visit the graves and read the stories of the deaths of all the religious leaders, or most of them, you know, of the world, the big ones, the founder of the Baha'i faith. He's buried uh, near the spot where he died in the mansion of Bahi. I think is how you say it. Uh, The Buddha's body in Buddhism was cremated. We know the story is cremated in India and the relics from that cremation were placed in monuments around the world, some of which are believed to have survived to the present. Some of them, they think, is still there. The Temple of the Tooth in Sri Lanka is the place where the right tooth relic of the Buddha is kept today, people believe. Uh, Christian Science founder, Mary Baker Eddy, is buried at Mount Auburn Cemetery in Cambridge, Massachusetts. The grave of Confucius, the founder of Confucianism, is in his hometown of Khufu in the Shudong province in China. Muhammad, the founder of Islam, is buried in the Mosque of the Prophet in Medina in Saudi Arabia. Mormonism, Joseph Smith, is buried at the Smith, Smith Family Cemetery in Illinois in the United States. The founder of Sikhism that's buried, uh, I think, in the United States also. Sometimes, you know, there's, there's no picture or place you can go. The founder of Scientology, Ron, L. Ron Hubbard, he was cremated and his ashes were scattered in the Pacific Ocean, but nobody doubts that story. Everybody knows that's what happened. And then you can come to the founder of Christianity, Jesus. And you know what goes on with the discussion of where Jesus is buried is controversy. No one's actually sure where he's buried, If you go over to Jerusalem, you will find competing tourist attractions of the grave of Jesus. There is a garden tomb. A lot of people like that one as the place, and it's kind of, you know, I I haven't been there myself, but I have seen pictures. Uh, And, you know, it kind of looks like the picture that you might think of in your mind about where Jesus is buried, and people will tour that. But there's also another place called the Church of the Holy Sepulchre and there is like a temple over it and the romans eventually placed temples on sacred places and so it would fit that it might have been culturally possible that christians might have believed that to be the place where christ was buried but the thing is is that we don't really know and the reason that there's there's other spots that people think jesus was really buried there has always been doubt you know why because he came out of it it's not interesting the place where jesus was buried it's not really interesting long term if he wasn't in there for for only a couple of days, right? If 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 he's buried somewhere, there would be a marker. People would know. People would have made trips to it. It would have. There would have been a shrine if he's buried there. But no, instead we argue about where Jesus is buried. You know why? Because he's not in it. You don't put a marker down someplace where um, the the body's not there. You know somebody once said, you you don't put a marker down where no body is there. Nobody, nobody. See the, the catch there? That is something to think about. You know, if Jesus rose from the grave, why? You know, we wouldn't have a marker. We would argue about wherever the tomb is because it wouldn't matter that much. It matters a lot that he came out of it. Everything matters on that. It's such a, a completely interesting thing. Even, when, even before the resurrection, there were no Christians. You know, everyone thought Jesus would do what every other person does when they die, what every other philosopher or religious leader has ever done, stay dead. That's what dead people do. They stay dead. Nobody expected him to rise. You know, when they looked into the tomb, they didn't say, he's alive, he's alive. No, they said somebody stole the body. You know why they said that? Because people stay dead when they're dead. The reason people say he rose from the grave is because people saw him, because people interacted with him, because he showed himself. 500 people at one time, were told in Corinthians. 500 people at one time. It's not like... You know, somebody saw Elvis at the gas pump one day. People saw Jesus. The Gospels are eyewitness accounts of Jesus, his resurrection. If you are wondering about Christianity, or if your faith is kind of shaky, or especially, you know, if you're thinking, ah, the church and the controversies and this and that, you know, look at Jesus Christ, Go back and move away the clutter of stuff and go back to the resurrection. Did it happen or not? Study it. Study what happened at the beginning of the church. How in the world did these guys even start the church? What was the impact on Rome? If somebody had really risen from the grave, what would you expect to happen? You know, what you find out is exactly what happened in history is what you would expect to happen, and that's what happened. Why? Because he came up out of the grave. And he defeated death. And his claim to be the way, the truth, and the life is validated it's validated in the Old Testament scriptures. It points to him, and the New Testament scriptures are written pointing back to these eyewitness accounts of Jesus fulfilling the prophecies in the Old Testament. That's how it all works. I've got to take a break. The number is 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation. This is Southern California Live. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Wednesday edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213 537 3812. Welcome back, everybody. Easter is coming on Sunday. We're in Holy Week, Passion Week. And each day this week, I've taken a segment to talk about what happened on that particular day on Holy Week. It's pretty obvious, I think, or you probably hear more about obviously Palm Sunday, Easter Sunday. Uh, Good Friday, but what happened on Wednesday, Wednesday of Holy Week? You know, traditionally, Holy Wednesday, I didn't even know this until a few years ago, traditionally, Holy Wednesday, as it's called, has also been called Spy Wednesday. Well, that sounds pretty cool, right? What does that mean, Spy Sunday? Well, it turns out, not as cool as you would think, but they, they believe that because they think that on Wednesday, the plot against Jesus has now come to fruition, probably on wednesday during holy week that's the day that judas iscariot went to the high priest and made the deal to betray jesus for 30 pieces of silver did you know there's another judas right john refers to him in the gospel of john chapter 14:22 refers to him as judas not iscariot okay so judas iscariot he's the guy who betrayed jesus but there's also judas not iscariot now think about that for you know it's kind of funny i think it's funny right for the rest of this guy's life this judas because of the the bad judas iscariot who betrayed Jesus, betrayed him with a kiss for 30 pieces of silver, led Jesus to his executioners, ultimately committed suicide later in grief uh, and uh, unable to uh, repent, probably. Uh, It's a bad story, the Judas Iscariot story. So if your name is named is Judas and you're part of that, you're a contemporary, right? Uh, He became known as Judas, not Iscariot. I think that's kind of funny. It's not funny, but it is, right? He had to describe himself that way. Imagine, you know, he's going to go out uh, and meet some new people. And uh, who are you? Well, I'm Judas, not Iscariot, right? Because maybe you heard that other Judas is dead. Well, I'm not that Judas. I'm Judas, not Iscariot. And you know what? Just call me Jude. He probably just shortened it for that reason. Do you think Judas, not Iscariot, had any kids? I mean, there could have been, he might have already had kids, right? There might be, there might have been Judas Jr. And that kid would now have to defend himself and his dad, I'm Judas, not Iscariot Jr. That would be his name. You know, people don't name their babies Judas that often. There's some Judes, but you don't find that many uh, Judases today on the birth certificate. Uh, it's popular to name you know babies after Bible stories and Bible characters, but you really should read the whole story, right? Um, better to name your baby Zerubbabel than some other names out there. Anyway, uh, back to Holy Wednesday. So Holy Wednesday, what's happening is the tide is turning elsewhere, okay, in the week. The palm branch waving people everywhere were beginning to realize that Jesus did not have their agenda, and now they're ticked. And Jesus and his disciples were preparing in the upper room for the Passover on Wednesday. So without Judas, apparently, they went to Costco. Judas was busy doing something else. Did they have a Costco? I don't know, but they must have had something. They went someplace where they got their, their food, and there were ladies passing out samples of of stuff. And uh, those, including those shawarma tacos we talked about yesterday. I'll bet that the disciples bought one of those huge vats of hummus from one of those people that I always end up buying at uh, Costco for some reason. And I come home, look, I have a vat of hummus. Never in my life have I wanted hummus. But that lady convinced me at the Costco. Uh, So Wednesday, Judas arrives, arranges to betray Jesus while Jesus and the rest are getting ready for Passover and trying to figure out what to do with all that hummus that Peter bought. Peter's probably the one who fell for it, right? Right. In the meantime, one of the other things people think that happened was that Jesus was anointed at Bethany on Wednesday. Now, here's the story from Matthew 26. This is probably a story you don't hear about very much, but I think it's huge. While Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When Jesus, hit the when the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? They asked This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. There's a couple lines in there that are amazing, right? First, the disciples, once again, don't really get it and they they get holier than thou and they judge this woman's generosity and worship of jesus and we do that sometimes as the church don't we we judge the quality or the wisdom of other people's giving and service and worship and pastors are not exempt for this either trust me when we're going online and getting ideas about church uh we can get critical of some other church that we're watching on the streaming thing and we do that when we're together as pastors you know i get together with 10 or 11 pastors and we mock each other for how we preach it's kind of done in love, but sometimes it's not, right? We do that. Jesus doesn't like it. Only he knows the heart, which is always his interest, and he knows how the world works too. The poor will always be with you. You know, there's so much in abundance. There will be enough to give to the poor, but also to enjoy what you have and to use it for God's service. You you can't really find a place in Scripture where we're instructed to hoard stuff, You know, Joseph had Egypt stock up because there was going to be a famine, but they were preparing to give it away later. And we are mostly told in Scripture to be generous with what we have, but we are also told to enjoy what we have. You can make a good biblical case for that. Jesus does that here, where this woman anoints him. And get this, she seems to understand what was about to happen more than the rest of them. Jesus knew her heart. She's doing it to prepare him for burial. His own followers didn't really get it, but she did. This woman understood the words of Christ. The disciples are not too sure what's going to happen, but this woman listened to Jesus and knew what he meant the day before when he said in Matthew 26, 2, As you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Do you know what Jesus meant there when he said that? He meant that the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. And, you know, this woman heard that, believed Jesus for what he said, and got herself ready emotionally. She went to Costco and bought the big jug of, of expensive perfume and did what she could do. And what an amazing woman she is. And then Jesus says, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Do you realize that Jesus just prophesied that we would be talking about her 2,000 years later on Southern California Live? I, I don't think we even know her name, actually, but Jesus did. And he knew how precious this woman was. And you know what? We're going to meet her one day. We'll learn her name. And she'll be on your list of people to meet in heaven. I promise you. Along with Judas, not Iscariot. Some people think that maybe this is even what set Judas off, that being the greedy one that he was, this woman using this perfume on Jesus is what tipped him over the edge. The story indicates that after this is when Judas actually went to the high priest who Mark says were delighted and promised to pay him. They were delighted think about how evil that is. Do people betray ones that they love for money today? Happens all the time. Are people delighted when somebody is willing to harm an opponent or an enemy? It happens all the time. Just look at the news. It's so sad. Listen, take some time to examine what you're doing for Jesus with what you have. Something about him, what he says is true. And that means, you know, something that is true is that he's coming back and he knows what is on your heart. He knows your real motivation for whatever it is that you have and how you use it. Uh, You know, Jesus has gone to prepare a place for you. That means he is the way, the truth, and the life, and it means if you put your faith in Jesus, you have all the hope you need to carry through this world. So how do you respond to Jesus's words? Do you respond like the disciples who try to find something hidden in the meaning, something that would prop themselves up, something that they could ignore? Because it felt scary to them? Or are you like this woman who simply believed Jesus? We need to believe in Jesus, my friends, but also we need to believe Jesus. Jesus is telling the truth. And I want you to know that you need to believe Jesus when he says that he loves you. You need to believe Jesus when he says that you are his friend. You are Jesus' friend. You ever meet a famous person? You know, I've had that opportunity before, and it's kind of cool, but you know what? You met Jesus, and you didn't just meet Jesus if you're a Christian, so you can take a fancy Instagram photo and show your friends and brag about it. Jesus is your friend. Jesus is with you all the time. Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And you know what? What Jesus wants you to do is introduce him to your friends. Would you think about that as you get closer to Easter? Who are you going to invite? Who are you going to invite into a friendship with Jesus? The Lord is going to take care of all the details, but he wants to use you in their life. Think about that. You have a friend, whose name is Jesus. I'd like to introduce you, so-and-so, my friend at work, to my friend Jesus. You can do it. I promise you that you can do that. I want to encourage you to do that. Go to kkla.com to get the six steps of Easter, and it will help you do that. Everybody, we will be back tomorrow for Southern California Live from three to five as we are each and every day. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening. I'll see you tomorrow from three to five. Good night.